Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes, and I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. Welcome to the Engaging Mission Show with Brian Ensminger. We are bringing missions home. Each week, we hear from missionaries, ministry leaders, disciple makers, and church planters as they share about God's work in their lives and ministries. Like us, they are ordinary people who serve an extraordinary God. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Brian Ensminger. All right, let's get started. Our guest today is a CP Catalyst with E3 Partners. He was born in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, and grew up in a Southern Baptist family, but didn't actually surrender to Christ and his mission until he was about 20 years old. Now, at 26, he's attended both Southwestern and Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminaries. Now, I do want to mention that we're going to use a pen name today because we don't want to do anything to jeopardize our guest's ability to move wherever God calls him in the future. So, CJ, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks so much for being here. No, thanks for having me, Brian. So in this in this first section of the interview, I'd like to take a little bit of time to get to know you. And I guess the first question that's on my mind is, what's a CP catalyst? What do you do? Um, well, that's a good question. Um, I almost, I guess, would be more of a CP catalyst in training. I have not yet seen a church planning movement through my ministry, but uh, we're praying for that. My goal is basically to come into a, a city or a community, um, find where the Spirit of God is working, um, train uh, believers in best practices for evangelism, discipleship, church planning, and um, obviously leadership multiplication, um, and then do those things myself. So basically going into a community, training people how to share Jesus and, and sharing Jesus myself, and praying that God would do a movement, um, a church planning movement. Well, that, that's great. And, you know, as I was looking through some of the information that you provided, I, I, I noticed that you grew up in a Southern Baptist home and that you were, um, you know, you didn't really surrender to Christ until you were in your 20s. And now you've taken a little bit of a shift, not saying that you're not Southern Baptist, but you're definitely taking a shift in terms of how you're approaching ministry. What led you to do that? Definitely. Um, well, long story short, I was working um, as a, a youth associate pastor at a church in Irving, Texas, and uh, my um, pastor asked me uh, to change positions into a pastoral assistant of community and evangelism, uh, which was basically a long title. Uh, that His job description was, uh, hey, Carter, we've got a lot of Hindus and a lot of Muslims in our community. Our church has been here for eight years and we can't reach them. And it's your, um, it's your job to figure that out. So being pretty overwhelmed with that, um, and my uh, Bible college education, um, helped me with the critical thinking aspect. But as for actual discipleship and church planting among Hindus and Muslims, um, that was very foreign to me. 
three days later, someone gave me a book called T for T. Um, after finishing that, I went on an an expedition, which is basically a a local mission trip with, uh, E3 partners mission organization. Uh, A guy named Jeff Sundell came and trained us, um, on how to engage lost people, um, how to share the gospel, how to start discipleship groups that lead to healthy church and how to multiply leaders. And then he said, go, (laughs) go out and do it. And so uh, on our first day out, ended up meeting a Muslim man, um, shared creation of Christ with him. Uh, after a two-hour conversation, he repented and believed in Jesus. And about two weeks after that, we had a um, household full of Muslim background believers uh, who we were discipling towards healthy church. Um, so after about two months of that, I came back to my pastor and told him that we had planted a uh, Muslim background believer church, um, and this was with help with other believers who had gone through the training with me as well. Um, but he did not like it. Um, he said no. that, yeah, he uh, <laughs> he he said that's not a church, and um, began to list off the things like, you know, are you practicing church discipline? And I was like, well, whenever the need arises, we will. And he was like, well, who's the pastor of the group? And I was telling him, you know, we, we're going to raise up um, one of these Muslim background believers to be the indigenous pastor for this, uh, for this small church. Uh, he asked me if they were baptized, if we were taking the Lord's Supper. I said yes and yes, but he uh, refused to believe that it was a church and said that I couldn't be the member of, um, of two different churches at the same time. Um, so church membership was a big hang-up, and, mm-hmm. and baptism outside of um, the congregation that I was working for was a big hang-up. So um, we ended up parting ways, and I, I joined on with E3 Partners, um, and it was a, a, a peaceful parting ways. And, and actually, um, to be honest with you, this church um, has now um, embraced this way of doing ministry and is getting ready to have a um, T for T for fields training, um, here in about a month, um, there at this church. So it's taken a while for the, um, this pastor and the church to come around, but they, they actually have, um, for the sake of advancing the kingdom among the uh, foreigners and refugees. So that's kind of a long story made short. Um, but God showed up and he showed me how he is working in ways far more simple than what I had learned at Bible college, and I, I couldn't get enough. And so it really changed my perspective, not on really my theology, but my, um, I guess you would just say, practice of ministry, making disciples and planting churches. Yeah. Now, when you when you started this journey, I don't, I, if I remember right, you weren't married, and now you are. Would you mind sharing the story of how you guys connected? Yeah, man, this is crazy. Uh well, I was in Oklahoma City doing ministry. I was actually working um, part-time with another church who wanted to bring some of these CPM practices online. And um, this was last April 18th, so Good Friday. Um, the Lord really just aligned both of our paths. Two of our common friends were both trying to, um, I guess, get us to go on a blind date. Um mm-hmm. And neither and neither of our common friends knew that both of them at the same time were trying to get this to work. <laughs> and uh, so Hannah had plenty of time to look me up on Facebook and call around and um, find out who I was. I had no idea who she was, but I met her that night, and we just really hit it off. I saw that she just had a passion for Jesus um, that really pushed me up and forward. And uh, so we began dating and uh, uh, very quickly— um, knew that we were going to get married and, uh, 
So Hannah and I uh, would even go to the mosques together to try to connect with with um, Muslims, and we would. Uh, uh, Hannah learned how to share the gospel and shared with probably over a hundred people in the, the length of about six months at, at her dietitian job at the hospital and saw a few people come to know Christ. And, uh, so she, she's a, a even greater seed sower than I am. So she pushes me up to, uh, to be all who God's called me to be. So obviously we beat with the same heart and want to see God's kingdom built and best practices equipped in the hands of believers. So, so, so was it a little bit, you, you mentioned that you had gone, you go to the mosques and connect with the Muslims there. Was that a little freaky, a little bit scary the first time you did that? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I learned that when I was back in Irving, Texas, um, uh, working for that, uh, church and trying to understand church planning movements, but very quickly I, I began to see, um, and this might shock some of our hearers, but I, I felt many times more welcomed and loved walking into a mosque than I, than I've ever felt walking into the doors of a Southern Baptist church. Wow. Um, they really treat you like a guest. They really cater to you. Uh, even the imams in the mosque that we would go to would take time afterwards to come up and greet you and talk with you. Um, and many times they just wanted to convert you, um, but still, they, they took the time to, to come uh, talk with me. But most of the time, we would just go back. And as they were praying, um, we wouldn't join them in prayer on their prayer line. But we would sit in the back of the mosque and we would pray that the Spirit of God would just open their eyes and show them the truth um, of Isa al-Messiah, Jesus the Christ, that He is the way to um, really submitting to God. Um, so it, that, that was definitely, it was freaky, but, you know, I, I guess if we're going to expect uh, great things from God, then we got to attempt great things for God. And from, for us, that was going to the mosque and trying to connect with Muslims. Yeah. Is there, a, is there a meaningful quote or maybe a scripture that's been kind of the foundation for your life and how you're approaching ministry? You know, that's changed quite frequently, but I, I tell you what, the most, um, the most, uh, I guess, motivating thing at this point in our ministry has been something, uh, Troy Cooper, um, who's another, uh, church planning catalyst for E3 partners. He always says, you know, you find where the spirit of God is working and then you pray for it. You encourage it and you serve it. So find where the Spirit of God is working. You pray for it, serve it, and, and encourage it. And so that's really what we try to do on a daily basis is just ask God, where are you moving in the hearts of people? And uh, we want to pray for that, and we want to serve it and encourage it. So um, that, that would probably be the best quote. The, one of the scriptures that comes to mind that's really been a key motivation um, and stepping out on a limb to following God uh, is Second uh, Corinthians nine verse eight, and it says, "And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work." And so that just really, I feel, doing this whole church planting ministry is um, a little bit outside of most people's box in North America, but it's cool to know that at all times we have everything we need to do what God has called us to do. Um, so it, it, that's encouraging to know we are relying on him, not, not our own efforts to see success and good work. 
Wow, that's great. You uh, you mentioned earlier that you had a bit of a challenge with the pastor that initially kind of unintentionally sent you down this direction as you started ministering to Muslims. <laughs> what what other challenges have you faced uh, throughout your life? Um, you know, uh, throughout my life, I've faced many challenges. Um, you know, actually, I guess it's 2015 and 2009, I was not following Jesus. And um, my path, my decisions had led me down to a path where I tried to commit suicide. Um, and the Lord rescued me out of that. Wow. Uh, and I, and, in ICU, they told me that the amount of carbon monoxide from my car that was in my system should have killed me or caused um, brain damage permanently. But the Lord rescued me, and uh, he, he set me on a trajectory that um, I never believed I would ever be on. My grandfather was a very prominent pastor in Oklahoma City, and um, I uh, would actually say, you know, God, you couldn't pay me a million bucks to go into ministry. <laughs> and as soon as I surrendered my life to Jesus— I felt the calling on my life to surrender everything uh, to full-time uh, kingdom advancement. So. so, CJ, thanks so much for sharing that. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to shift our focus from you to a little bit more on the ministry and what we've got going on. Take your leadership to the next level. It's time for the Engaging Missions Leadership Minute. Hi, this is Scott McClellan with your Leadership Minute. Today, I want to talk to you about my personal worst leadership performance. It actually may not be my worst, but it's one that comes to mind when I think about it. And I wanted to just go over it with you really quick, even though, you know, it's not a flattering example. I was entrusted with a leader role from peers who were involved in a mission training exercise that was going to last a couple of weeks. And this was our first sort of uh, challenge or test. There were about eight of us. And seeing this was really early in the two-week training, we weren't much of a team yet. This uh, assignment was going to be timed, and as it rocked on, we were running out of time. As a leader, I was elected by the peers there. I was taking an approach to try to include input from everyone and try their suggestions. You may have heard the old African proverb, If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Well, we weren't going fast. Let me just say that. One of our guys, uh, we had tried his ideas and failed, and he wanted just to keep trying one more time, one more time, one more time, and wasn't listening to the rest of the team. Uh, This uh, became a growing drama, and as a leader, I overreacted angrily in an unkind way, yelling and making some kind of a demonstration. Um, and the team was hurt by that. It, uh, it was hard for everyone to stomach my overreaction. Some did better than others. In the very moment that I was overreacting, I could see a flashback of leaders in my past who had also gotten angry and overreacted uh, you know, toward me. It was embarrassing. And it also put a major relationship impediment in the way of the rest of our two weeks. We overcame it, but it was a challenge. Um, So my worst leadership performance that comes to mind was about anger and overreaction. Does something come to mind for you related to your past performance? In any case, let's learn from our mistakes of the past. Apologizing where necessary, 
and continue to move on and grow to become the kind of influence that is a blessing to those around us. I'm Scott McClellan. Thanks for joining me for this Leadership Minute. If you'd like to contact me or us, please do so at fxmissions.com or on most social media channels at fxmissions. This has been the Engaging Missions Leadership Minute. If you have a leadership question, send it to feedback at engagingmissions.com. That's feedback at engagingmissions.com. All right, we're back with CJ. We've been talking about him. We've been getting to know him a little bit. Now we're going to shift our focus and learn a little bit more about the ministry that he has going on. So CJ, I know that you've been to college at a couple of different places. You've lived in Oklahoma City for most of your life, and now you're in Florida. So what's going on? What got you to Florida? Well, um, to be honest with you, God wrestled me into this position. (laughs) I um you know, getting ready to get married, I, I really did not want to continue on on a support-based missionary lifestyle. Um, I had gone off to Thailand and Myanmar for, or Myanmar for about two months and uh, came back, knew that I was going to get engaged when I got back and I was looking for a, maybe a full-time position at a church um, to do this kind of ministry, maybe a discipleship pastor or a church planning pastor. Um, and there were several other of those opportunities open where, where churches at this point had embraced T for T and Four Fields enough to say mm-hmm. they wanted a, a full-time position and giving benefits and all that. But um, So I was looking around for that, and I, I came down here and talked with a, a really good friend and mentor named Troy Cooper, and he began casting vision about what it you know looked like to come down here and um, work alongside, labor alongside him for the um, 97% unreached here in South Florida. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the Lord very clearly, I remember driving down the road, I was going to pick up my wife, uh, wife now, uh, fiance, then Hannah mm-hmm. from the airport. She was going to come down and, and spend some time with Troy and Rachel as well. And I remember driving to the airport and the Lord said, you're coming here just almost like audibly, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I, I can't describe that. There's only been about 10 moments in my life where it's almost like you hear God telling you something so clear. And it's not, it, it doesn't rest in your heart with fear. It rests in your heart with peace. And so I knew that I, I shouldn't be pursuing a, a job at a church. I, I needed to stay with E3 and come down here to South Florida to work alongside Troy in, uh, you know, being a church planning um, or a church planning movement catalyst. So Mm-hmm. Um, that began the transition to coming down here. Um, and it, it followed once we knew with just a lot of prayer. Um, I mean, Hannah and I have spent hours, um, upon hours in prayer for the harvest down here in South Florida, just asking God to, um, open the heavens and pour out his blessing on, on all that we do, open people's hearts and their homes and show us how we can serve people with our hands. And, um, he has truly done that. I mean, we've only been here for a couple weeks, but already we've seen God do a couple miracles. Um, we've got to share the gospel with a few people as well, and 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 we think we you know may have some potential uh, persons of peace uh, that we're praying that God would truly rescue to Himself and um, set on mission. Um, so it it's it's been a, a crazy ride of following the, the Spirit of God to come down here, um, you know, stepping out on a limb, but. I'm really, really glad that we we did because I I feel the Lord is going to do something big and I'm excited to be a part. 
You mentioned uh, finding some persons of peace, and I, I remember as I was looking through some of the stuff that you sent that there were some people that you had identified early on who really seemed to embrace the gospel, and then for one reason or another kind of either walked out of relationship with you or even perhaps out of relationship with God. And mm-hmm. um, you, you referenced in that material some of them would have been considered field three or field four. I'm assuming that comes from the parable of the sower. Can you share with us what you mean when you share that kind of stuff? Yeah. Um, you know, the person of peace concept, I, I really feel is revolutionary, um, in looking at Jesus's ministry and the disciples ministry and, and truly finding, um, filtering with the gospel, uh, and by asking spiritual questions and sharing the gospel, listening and saying, God, are you moving here? Because if this person accepts this, then they can potentially be used by you to reach their friends and family. Mm-hmm. But if they're rejecting, you know, then if they're rejecting the gospel off right off hand, then I need to go and invest my time somewhere else. But if God is moving in this person's heart, I really need to invest in them because they are, um, I guess what Jesus calls in, in Luke 10, a person of peace or Matthew 10, a person who is worthy. So uh, just a God prepared person, like Paul says in Colossians 4, an open door. Um, so, but once you, you know, get with these people, we, we do know the reality of pretty much all the parables that Jesus told, he said, you know, are, are like the, uh, he used these amazing agricultural analogies. And, and one of the first ones he tells is he says, there's four different kinds of soil. Those, the first kind of soil is mm-hmm. not even soil. It's the beaten path and you know, the the gospel seed that is sown there is immediately um, taken away by the enemy. Um, so there's no reception at all. But then the next three soils look exactly alike at first. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, ne- the, the next soil, it, it, it grows up immediately. It almost, in a way, a person who accepts the message with joy, but immediately when they face opposition or uh, they have to count the cost for receiving this message, they wither away because they had a shallow root. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe they grow for a little while, but because they are more in love with the things of the world, um, uh, whether it's the you know pleasure or um, appeal or whatever it may be, uh, the world in a way like the weeds chokes out the the plant from producing fruit, and so they fall away. But the true identifier of a person of peace really is after they produce fruit. So Mm -hmm. for me, it's always potential persons of peace because you never know if they were a person of peace until they actually multiply. Um, But the last soil, he says, reproduces 30, 60, 100 fold. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we're looking for. We're looking for those who are going to receive the message and not just sit on it, but begin to obey Jesus and be faithful to Jesus by sharing it with others and being bold um, in, in this new walk. Um, I always found it interesting whenever, you know, growing up and going to youth camp, you know, they would extend the call to follow Jesus and they would dim the lights and they would ask everybody, you know, if you want to accept Jesus, you know, raise your hand Mm -hmm. and no one's looking around. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to call you to the front. Well, when we look at Jesus's ministry, it looks so different than that because it's, yeah. it's almost like he's saying, who, who is going to stand up and immediately begin confessing me as Lord, um, not just uh, from their own mouth, but to other people's ears. Um, 
it looks like a lot more of a, uh, you know, I'm, I'm taking a stand for this new way of life and my Savior than it does looking like something private. So, um, yeah, trying to find those persons of peace, those who are going to accept the message and bear fruit um, like the fourth soil. Um, and, and whenever you do find those second and third soil that receive it but fall away, it is, it's very disheartening. It's very, yeah. it's very difficult. Um, so so let, let's say that I'm a new believer. You've just talked to me, and I've, I've chosen to believe Christ. What's the, what's the first thing that you ask me to do, or what is the first thing that you do? Um, as soon as someone, and this is from Jeff Sundell's, I can't take credit for any of this sure. stuff. I'm just, uh, uh, but, uh, as soon as someone comes to know Christ and one of the first things we ask them is, um, when can we meet again within 48 hours? Where are we going to meet and who are you going to bring? So when are we going to meet within the next 48 hours? Where is that going to be? And who are you going to bring? So immediately we're trying to transition from the person of peace to their sphere of influence. Um, so whenever we would meet likely within the next, hopefully within the next 48 hours, if they've just believed, um, we would begin to take them through, uh, what we would just call a level one training, which is, um, who I am in Christ, um, helping them understand their identity with second Corinthians five, 17 through 21, which very clearly shows this new believer that they have been made a new creation through the great exchange of Jesus on the cross. But it was, it was so that in order that they would be an ambassador of Christ and they have a ministry, which is people they know, and they have a message, which is the gospel. Hmm. Um, and so we begin to work through right after this second Corinthians five, 17 through 21, we begin to work through their ministry. We asked them, you know, who do you know that is far from God, um, that you can share uh, what has happened to you with. And so we'll r- let them w- help them work through a name list that they can begin praying for so that they can share with these people if God gives them an opportunity. And then the very next thing we do, um, so we could do identity, their ministry, and then we do message, which is we help them um, understand and learn a simple gospel presentation. Right now we're using something called the three circles um, mm-hmm. developed by family church. And, uh, you know, we, we just, I love how it's so simple, uh, because they can share very easily how God has a design for everything. Um, and originally when he created that, it was good. You know, we were supposed to have harmony with God and man, but sin has broken this design when we have all sinned and brokenness leads to death. Um, and we try many different things to get out of brokenness, like these Mm -hmm. little squiggly lines. Um, but they snap us right back into brokenness. And Jesus is ultimately, through his death and resurrection, the only way to rescue us from our brokenness. If we would turn from our sin and believe in him, uh, then he will restore us to God's design and help us pursue that. So we'll help them verbalize, and we, we'll, we'll let them practice um, you know, five or six times. We really want them to be able to become confident and competent in sharing the gospel so that when God sets them up, which we believe he will, with mm-hmm. people on their name list, they're able, able to share. So that's what we'll, uh, and that takes about an hour and a half, two hours, depending on how big the group is, if they you know bring a family or bring just one person. But, uh, and we try to do it really simple, you know, mm-hmm. Brian, I, I, I think it, you know, anything we do, uh, if they don't have these, 
these kind of resources or technology, then it's very hard for them to reproduce it. So um, if I bring a bunch of a bunch of printed material for them to look at, um, which is, again, nothing's wrong with printed material, but unless I also give them a, the electronic PDF and hopefully they have a computer and a printer so they can print it off, mm-hmm. then I can't expect them to reproduce this. So normally, just at first, we'll do this level one training with a new believer with just a piece of paper and a pen. Okay. And they'll, they'll write out the identity, they'll write out uh, their ministry, they'll write out the message, and then we'll let them practice reproducing each of those tools um, so that if they are to lead someone else to Christ um, among their friends or family, then all they need is a pen and a piece of paper and a Bible um, to walk their new disciple through these these same simple tools. So. Oh, that's great. And for those listening, the uh, the three circles method that CJ talked about, is gonna, I'll have that linked up in the show notes. So if you'd like, you can take a look at that. It's actually a very powerful way to f- share the gospel. And I think it's very relevant to the way our culture uh, sees life right now. And that the show notes will be at engagingmissions.com slash CJ. I have an iTunes review that I'd like to share with you. It reads... Great interviews with those on the forefront of missional thinking. Thanks for doing what you're doing. That comes in from Cobbled Together here in the U.S. And Cobbled Together, I'm afraid I don't know your name, but I did want to just say a huge thank you. I really do appreciate that rating and review. That actually helps other people find the show like this. Now, for the rest of you, if you haven't yet left a rating and review, but you'd like to, you can do that by visiting engagingmissions.com slash iTunes. Let's talk about how you can share your thoughts and questions with me and the rest of our community. Whether you have a comment, request, or suggestion, I'd love to hear from you. Of course, you can always leave your thoughts in the comment section of the show notes page, or if you have something else that you'd like to share a little bit more privately, you can send that to me at feedback at engagingmissions.com. Again, visit the show notes page or send an email to feedback at engagingmissions.com. And with that, we're going to move right along with our interview. Uh, one of the things you mentioned, CJ, is that one of the first things you do is you ask people, okay, when can we meet again and who are you bringing with, bringing with you? To somebody mm-hmm. from the outside, that might seem a little bit like pushing somebody into a cold, uh, a cold swimming pool, you know, just running there and mm. pushing them in and going, okay, now go do this. But I suspect that doesn't feel that way to them. Can you share kind of what their reactions are typically? Uh, you know, um, I've, I've seen multiple different reactions when, (laughs) to be honest with you, it's, uh, it's interesting. Uh, I'll, I'll, I guess I could give, uh, an example of, um, my brother Britain, uh, my brother Britain, um, is still on the journey of following Jesus, but he's taking small steps of obedience. I, I believe, He's surrendered, but you know he's he's bouncing between soils. <laughs> um, but as soon as Britain, uh, you know, understood the three circles, and we had started into Bible study, um, I asked Britain, Britain, when we meet next, who are you going to bring? And he said, Well, I've got to bring my friend Josh to this because Josh needs to hear this and understand the gospel. And Josh has an alcoholic dad Uh and Josh's dad needs to understand this as well. So we can, so we can train Josh. And I told him, well, you can train Josh. (laughs) I don't need to train Josh. You can train Josh. And he was like, okay, okay. And so for the (laughs) remainder of our Bible studies, uh, there in Oklahoma city, um, 
Britain would bring Josh and, um, you know, Josh, you know, didn't praise, pray the prayer, raise, raise his hand, but he understood how to share the gospel. And, you know, I have not been able to keep up with Josh like Britain has. And so I don't know if Josh has bore fruit or if he's obeyed Jesus, but it was very interesting to see that once Britain truly understood the gospel and how to share it, he was very open to bringing other people into the conversation that he knew. Um, and obviously these are people that I don't have access to. Um, uh, so that's that whole insider outsider thing, you know, to, 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 to get into a subgroup of or culture or relationship network. There's no way we're going to be able to reach them as good as someone who is in that subgroup culture or family can reach them who God is preparing. So, uh, yeah, you know, and then there's also been other responses of, of, uh, uh, this first uh, Muslim guy that came to know Christ and, and Irving, you know, Iman was extremely fearful to share with other Muslims, mm. but he was willing <laughs> to share and bring along other white people. <laughs> okay. So it was very interesting. I, you know, Iman, uh, has since, um, he he is married a, um, a a Christian woman, and he is actually reaching out and sharing with other Muslims now. But at okay. first, this was something very scary for him because he's he uh, you know obviously we know with the Islamic faith it is you know if you if you follow Jesus you're an infidel um, right. and you're worthy of punishment of death. So, um, but over time, Iman uh, as well has has bore fruit. So. Um, it's, uh, you know, varied responses, but it really is a test to see, you know, is this person willing to obey Jesus? Every time I, whenever I read through the gospels and Jesus, um, asks, uh, or, or gives, uh, you know, um, a teaching on something, it's ended with an imperative to do something. Um, you know, uh, whenever, uh, the, he's at the, uh, well with the Samaritan woman, you know, the Samaritan woman says, you know, can I have some of this water of life? And Jesus says, well, go get your husband. <laughs> yeah. And so it's, a, you know, Jesus, he's not just going after the, you know, the grape, he's going after, you know, the whole bundle of grapes, you know, and, and obviously he knows that she's been married five different times and the one she's with now is not her husband, but even Jesus, um, whenever he was working and doing ministry, it's like, it was more than one person that he was trying to reach. It was like a collective group. Uh, I also think of the story of the demoniac, you know, mm-hmm. he says, I want to follow you, Jesus. And, and he says, no, I want you to go back in the Decapolis, um, the city and, and tell them all that the Lord has done for you with Matthew, the tax collector. When he comes to follow Jesus, he throws a party for Jesus with all his sinful friends. Um, you know, and then all throughout acts, it's like you see over and over again, you know, Lydia and her household, Crispus and his household, uh, the Philippian jailer and his household, uh, Cornelius and his household. Um, and I think that's more than just a cultural thing, uh, yeah. which I've heard some people try to justify. I really do believe that if someone's going to follow Jesus, um, then uh, the first place to bear fruit would be among those who they know the best. And um because if they are unwilling to share with those people, then it's a pretty good indicator that maybe they aren't ready to follow Jesus yet. Because following Jesus is also embracing a life change to fish for people as well. So, 
Yeah. Um, it's probably a, a mouthful, but yeah, a lot of different responses to that, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, just yeah. trying to test and see, is this person going to obey Jesus or is this a poor investment of my time? So, so one thing I love is that I ask what seems on the surface to be a simple question. When I get back is a whole bunch of scripture. I just absolutely love that. That's, that to me is powerful. <laughs> one of, one of the criticisms I've seen, I've, occasionally heard online of the T for T method or the, the mm-hmm. methodology is that sometimes to someone on the out, on the outside, it might feel like everybody's just gunning for another notch on their gun belt, so to speak. But mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think mm-hmm. that's the case. So can you speak to what it is that fuels your passion as you're connecting with people and trying to find someone to share the gospel with? Mm. You know, um, it's a really good question. I know that as you know, we read scripture, we see that there's only two ways to live and there's two destinations. Um, if we are living for King Jesus, um, and accepted him, we will spend eternity at his right hand where there are pleasures forevermore. And if we don't, then we will spend eternity separated him from him in a place that's called hell. And for me that, even as I'm thinking of it right now, it gives me goosebumps to think that there's, there's people out there that um that they they don't know Jesus and mm-hmm. they never will know Jesus unless we tell them and if they don't accept Jesus then they will spend eternity separated from him in hell um uh, and you know many times people ask you know how could a good god send someone to hell um and for me it's they're choosing they have chosen a life without god they have chosen to not follow Jesus so they're getting what what the eternity that they chose. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that really is my motivation. You know, I know a lot of, there's a ton of different methodologies out today, different curriculums, different practices, deep for T for fields seen and heard lots of different stuff from the international mission board. Um, but ultimately if we are driven by the fact that there is an eternity out there and there's only two destinations, there's heaven or hell and, and people, who don't do not know Jesus will spend eternity in hell. Then I think it is the imperative of every Christian to learn the way in which God is moving the most effective today and to join that work. I love in first Corinthians 16, when Paul says there is a wide open door of effective work um, in Ephesus, but there are many opponents. So Paul was focused on doing not just what was good, but what was great and effective. And if today T for T and four fields is what God is using and blessing, um, then I would, I would say that, you know, it's, it has nothing to do with getting another notch on your yeah. belt, but it has to, it, it's more of being humble and saying, you know, maybe God isn't using my particular discipleship or maybe God isn't using my sermons or my book, but he's using this. Why don't I learn this? Because I would love an opportunity to join God in what he's doing in rescuing people from an eternity separated from him. So I, you know, I guess that's what really motivates me, um, is, uh, you know, just trying to see people rescued from the dominion of darkness and into the, the kingdom of light, because I, 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 I do not want to be on that, on that day in judgment, seeing my friends and my family and people that I know thrown into an eternity separated from God. I, I want them to be able to have the opportunity. Um, and as of right now, looking at T for T, the simple process of teaching people 
how to engage lost people, teaching people how to share a simple gospel presentation, teaching people how to lead a simple reproducing house church that can multiply. Um, I think that if there's anything else that is that effective, then I want to do that. But at this point, from what I've seen, um, T for T is one of the most simple processes um, that I've seen to get the gospel out to as many people as possible to see the kingdom of God advanced. So lost people don't go to hell. Um, so this kind of work isn't without its challenges and its disappointments. I know that you've had some people that you felt might've been those persons of peace who then eventually walked away from Christ. Uh, some people that you were training up to be a Timothy, if you will, who have yeah. left you. How do you, what encourages you or strengthens you in those times of disappointment and p- potentially discouragement? You know, um, I, I, I really find encouragement in Jesus's, um, teaching in John 15, um, you know, obviously this is near the end of Jesus's ministry. So he's teaching this, the disciples principles to live by whenever he ascends back to heaven and they continue forth the movement. But he tells them that, that he is the vine and they are the branches. And apart from being connected to the vine, we can do nothing. Um, and he says that, you know, apart from me, it's impossible to do anything. And he says to abide in me. And if my words abide in you, then you will bear much fruit. Um, and he says to do this, to prove that you are his disciples. But whenever I think of a vine, um, and a branch, you know, the branch does not strain forward, really difficult to push out fruit. Hmm. The branch simply rests and connects in who its identity is in which would ultimately be Jesus. And so whenever I I face these difficulties, I have to remind myself that I am a branch and I am ultimately connected to the vine. And as long as I am resting and connecting to Jesus, um, then he will bear fruit through me, regardless of the circumstance that just happened. It is very easy to find our identity in those moments. And Satan would lie to us and have us say, oh, you know, you're no better than the person you just discipled that fell away, but that's not true. You know, we are a new creation. We are a branch grafted into the vine. And as long as we um, rest and connect with Jesus um, on a daily basis, then he will He promises that he will bear fruit through us. And so that's really what encourages me in those moments is to remind myself, I'm, I'm just a branch. I'm going to rest and connect to the vine. Well, thanks for sharing that. We're going to go ahead and take another quick break. And when we come back, we're going to shift our focus one last time to focus on the listeners. So if you've been listening, stick with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Here's a taste of what's coming up on the Engaging Mission Show. I just walked into a theater one day and just asked if they would ever donate popcorn to skaters and homeless people. And they liked the idea and immediately said, when you want it, how much you want. And I said, give me some garbage bags. We showed up and they gave us two great big, like 50 gallon, 30 gallon, whatever. Bags of fresh pop popcorn. We showed at the skate park. And that day there were um, kids that we'd never met. And one boy kept coming up and getting refills. And I kept telling him, hey guy, um, you need to go get your parents. And he's like, no, 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 my staff are here. And I thought he was with the Cub Scouts or something. And finally, I'm like, dude, you need to introduce me because I think you're going to get sick. You eat anymore, you know, (laughs) and went up to who the staff was, found out that he was part of a boys home, a behavioral boys home. 
And I came back to my one son and said, hey, this kid, they said maybe we could go to their home and volunteer. And my son out of the blue says, why don't you adopt them? What? Um, Talked to my husband as we're driving home that day, and he's like, we'll never do that. Um, I get home, and my older son gets home from work and asks about the skate park, how things were going. And um, told him, and his response was, why don't you just adopt the kid? Why volunteer for him? We never talked adoption. So I had a meeting with God as I was bawling, and he affirmed all the things that he was showing us that we were supposed to pursue this child Mm. and adopt him. I thought that was another crazy. (laughs) So presented it to my husband the next day. He said he'd pray about it. Um, The next day he said, okay, if this is what we're supposed to be obedient to, let's see if he's even adoptable. If you enjoyed that, you won't want to miss a single episode of the Engaging Mission Show. Subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher to have it delivered automatically. Visit engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. That's engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. All right. We are back with CJ. We just finished up talking about the ministry that God has him doing and some of the things that fuel his passion, uh, some of the things that God has done in his life. And that was powerful. Now we're going to shift our focus to you as the listener. We're going to draw from what CJ has experienced and what he knows. We're going to ask him some questions that might help us if we're facing challenges, if we feel like God is asking us to level up our game, because we want to learn from what God has done in CJ's life. I believe that God has given the body of Christ, immense resources. It talks about this inheritance that's stored up in the saints. And so we want to learn from him. CJ, I know from the information that I see as far as, you know, who downloads the show and who's subscribed to my newsletter and things like that, that most of the people who are connected to this show care about missions and about ministry, but they're not necessarily called into a full-time vocational position. Most of them are called into the marketplace. What would you share with somebody if they, they were talking to you and they said, you know, I feel like God is really asking me to level up my game. What's one thing that they could do? Mm. One thing they could do, um, you know, I think one of the biggest things that has been life-changing for me um, personally in just day-to-day ministry is having a list of people that I pray through who are lost. Um, and then on top of that, cutting out intentional time to pray for them. Um, the writer of T for T, Ying Kai, um, has many people who have given us insight into his life. And one of the things he did was pray two or three hours a day for, for lost people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really believe, you know, I know this may sound super cliche, but again, over and over again, I think we, when we see Jesus and his disciples ministry, that prayer is such a key thing. Um, and even the first part of how Jesus tells us to praise your, your kingdom come, your will be done. So it's all about his kingdom coming in and through our lives. Um, and so if we, you know, I'm, if I'm, a you know, a guy, you know, works at an engineering firm, um, in the city, I would write down a list of every single person that I know in that engineering firm, um, that does not know Jesus, or at least that I know from my initial talking with them doesn't know Jesus and begin praying for them. Because I think when we begin praying for them, that God would soften their heart and that God would, um, give them, uh, give us an opportunity to share with them that he always sets us up. I've never prayed the prayer, God, please give me an opportunity to share the gospel today. 
and he not come through. <laughs> he no. always, he, you know, that's a dangerous prayer to pray because he will set you up. <laughs> but uh, so that would be one thing. Just make a list of the people you know who are far from God. Begin taking time, whether it's at lunch or in the morning before you go to work, on your way to work, on your way home from work with your wife at night, but literally taking intentional time, you know, 30 minutes, maybe an hour would, <laughs> I don't know. However much the spirit leads you, I think the, we can't pray enough, but taking intentional time to pray for that list every single day, um, then that will be on your heart and you will be ready to share when the Lord provides an opportunity. Okay. Uh, sort of related to that, what would you say, especially because of your ministry to the Muslim community in Oklahoma City, what would you say if somebody is living here in the U.S. or in North America and they look up one day and they realize that most of their neighbors or a good portion of their neighbors, their co-workers are now from another culture, maybe someplace that they may never have even heard the gospel before? What would you share with them? Um, I would share with them... Um, well, I, I think the verse, first thing, if you're talking about Muslims, that not all Muslims are radical Muslims. Um, so not to be fearful of them. That's um, good. Because they're, you know, they're people just like us um, that, you know, are following after a way that is wrong. And uh, there's only two ways to live. So they're following after the wrong way. Uh, but. And then I would tell anybody who wants to share with the Muslims, not only to pray for them, but there is a book called Any Three, and that's A-N-Y, and then the number three, Any Three, and it's by Mike Shipman. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is one of the most, it basically follows T for T, but it's in the uh, Muslim context. And um, there is a uh, church planting movement uh, going on um, over in, I guess it would be, uh, well, I guess it says it in the book, but in Indonesia, um, through this type of gospel presentation and discipleship. So that's one of the easiest way to become acquainted with a presentation that you could share with um, your Muslims friends. Um, a, a couple of months ago, I had Dr. David Garrison on the show, and he shared mm. about some of the movements of Muslims coming to Christ. And, you know, that's not one of the things that we commonly see in the news. You know, the news is going to report <laughs> things like, you know, shipwrecks or gas prices or, or those kind of things. But of course, they're not focused yes. on these spiritual matters. And I'm certain that there are also some pressures to keep that kind of stuff out of the news. But for you, the listener, if you don't know this... In spite of what you see in the news, God is at work in the hearts and in the lives of Muslims. As we're recording this interview, and it's going to be several weeks before it's out, but as we're recording this, we're nearing the end of Ramadan, and it's a season Mm -hmm. of prayer and a season of setting some time aside for Muslims. But it's also a season where they are seeking and some of them come to know God. Some of them have visitations from God of some sort. And very often that can happen because of the prayers that happen from Christians. So just keep that in mind. Don't, I'm not saying that the news isn't right, but just keep in mind that they're, that God's working in the world. Sorry to take us off track there for a second. No, it's not off track. That's good. (laughs) You, you mentioned any three as, as a book. Is there any other book or resource that you'd recommend for our listeners? Um, you know, um, I mean, maybe if you type in creation to Christ video, um, in your Google browser, you can have, there's multiple different translations of this creation to Christ video. It's got graphics. It's got, um, uh, 
whatever it's uh, got words at the bottom, but there's multiple different languages. And normally I always have one of those on my phone so that if I meet maybe a, a Muslim at a gas station or even a Hindu or a Buddhist or whoever, um, and I say, hey, you know, I, I would love to hang out with you. Can I uh, have your number? But if I don't end up getting to hang out with them, mm-hmm. I can at least text them a link to that video so that they can watch that. Um, and it's a very great presentation um, of creation of Christ um, and, you know, w- which would be accepted and um, whether Muslim or Hindu, it, it really shares the full picture. So it's called Creation to Christ Video. Um, and I don't know if that's creation to Christ video.com or creation to Christ video.net, but um, you should be able to find it pretty easily if you just type it into Google. Okay. And for you, the listener, again, I'll, I'll find that as, and I will make sure that that's in the show notes, which will be at engagingmissions.com slash CJ. And that's just the letters C and J. CJ, we are just about done with our time together. This has been amazing to me so far. Would you mind sharing us with us maybe one last piece of advice? And for those of you listening, if you want to get in contact with CJ, I'll have a contact form on the show notes page so you can get in contact with him. But CJ, would you mind sharing that last bit of advice for us? Uh, yes. Um, I think the, probably the the last bit of advice um, I would share, which probably people who have been listening to this podcast have heard this before, but, um, in light of all of the resources out there, all of the different methods and the discipleship and processes and programs and everything, um, it doesn't come down to what you know about Jesus that allows you to bear fruit. It comes down to obedience. Hmm. Um, so actually taking the time to, to get out, um, whether that's planning intentional time or doing it as you go, opening our mouths to share with people, praying for them, taking intentional time to actually sit with them, uh, those who believe or those who are interested, um, and investing um, in the kingdom by investing in their lives so that they can invest in others' lives. That's that's obedience. Um, and I, I can tell you, it doesn't matter how many church planting movement books a person reads, how many podcasts we listen to, how many... All these are fantastic, and I, I love them. And Brian, I'm so glad you do this. I'm so grateful for Steve Addison for, for his work because it's really helped me. But at some point, we have to get out and actually obey. <laughs> and, you know, we, and then we go back and we listen and learn more, and then we go obey. But uh, Jesus didn't ever give his disciples, you know, 10, you know, books and say, read all these 10 books, then let's go search for persons of peace. He just said, all right, you're getting ready to go to all the towns (laughs) and villages. (laughs) Don't bring an extra this or that, you know, go and proclaim the kingdom of God, heal the sick, raise the dead, find the persons of peace, stay with them. If you don't find them, click the dust off your feet and move on. So Jesus was very much about, I'm going to give you something, then you're going to obey it. So that would be the last advice. You know, it doesn't matter how much you know. God is looking for a devoted, committed heart that is going to obey what he says. So, Well, CJ, thank you so much for being here today. I can't begin to tell you how much I appreciate your time and everything that you've shared. Mm. Well, man, I'm I'm super grateful and, and privileged, Brian. Thank you so much for having me on the show. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to the Engaging Mission Show. You can find more great content like this, along with show notes, by visiting engagingmissions.com or by subscribing to the show in iTunes or Stitcher. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us an honest rating and review in iTunes. Audio editing was provided by Jeff Butterworth of Sound Paradigm Studio. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next week.